You're now listening to the Engage the Rockies podcast, your go-to podcast for local and state issues concerning Colorado. Hello, Colorado. This is the Engage the Rockies podcast. I am your host, Jarvis Caldwell, Executive Director of Engage the Rockies. Today, we're talking ballot initiatives. And when we were thinking about who we should invite on to talk about this, there was one person that came to mind, and I don't think there's a better guest in the entire state of Colorado to talk about ballot initiatives. So today we are joined by Michael Fields. Michael is the president of the Advanced Colorado Institute, a nonprofit dedicated to educating Coloradans on the benefit of conservative governing solutions at the state and local levels. You may also recognize Michael from his many appearances on Fox 31 Denver, where he serves as their political analyst. And he is also a graduate of law school at CU. Michael, thank you for joining us today. Thanks for having me on. Thank you. So let's jump right into it, Michael. Big picture, ballot initiative. We've probably all heard the term before. Can you give us a big picture of what is a ballot initiative? Yeah, so Colorado is one of the states uh, who allows citizens to really pass their own laws, uh, whether that's a statute or a constitutional measure that you can put it in front of voters if you have a good idea. And obviously, the legislature is doing this, you know, uh, January through through May. But, you know, they might have something that they don't want to pass uh, or are unwilling to, to put it in front of voters. And so it gives us the ability uh, to to pass our own laws. And if you get, you know, in, in the case of a statute, 50 percent plus one, uh, it becomes a law. If you have a constitutional measure, you need to get 55 percent in order to to do that. But I think it's one of those important checks on the legislature. And, and there's often times where uh, the legislature won't pass something that the people actually want, or they want it in a different version. Or, uh, you know, there's some other reason that they haven't thought about this idea, uh, you know, haven't talked to certain citizens that might have, you know, wanted them to propose it. So it's something that's been going on uh, for a long time in Colorado. It's in our constitution that you're able to do that. And really, it's independent of the legislature. And I think that's a right. key part of this is saying this is, you know, you have this this process, which I'm sure we'll go through the, the process in depth. Um, but it is a cool thing that the average citizen can pass their own law here in Colorado uh, and they don't have to be you know, a member of the legislature. Absolutely. And so thinking thinking about this real world, your your average voter who maybe is not following the legislature uh, January through May, day by day. When they when they get their ballots uh, in whatever year the uh, the election is, whether it's an off year or um, uh, an even year election, they get it. It's not just your senators. It's not just your voting for governor, your representative. You'll see measures on there uh, asking you different questions. Sometimes it's, you know, the legislature has a bunch of extra money. And so we want to divert that somewhere else or it could be as simple as lowering property taxes or income taxes or something like that. So basically from a pragmatic point, your average voter, they get their ballot. It's not just choices for electing a new politician. There are questions on there. And those, those questions on there come a lot of times, not always from ballot initiatives started by different people. And that's actually what we're going to get into next. Who can start a ballot initiative? Yeah. So if you're uh, a citizen in, in Colorado, you're a, mm -hmm. a voter, you can team up with somebody else. So it takes two proponents 
uh, to put in a, a ballot measure. And I think to your point, a lot of ballot measures, I mean, some of the biggest policies in Colorado have been passed on the ballot through citizens initiative. You think about Tabor, mm-hmm. you think about uh, the Gallagher Amendment, which recently got repealed by the, the people right. too. Uh, there's a lot of different policies that the people do. And the way you can tell the difference between them is um, if they have letters after them, Proposition CC or HH, uh, mm-hmm. they're from the legislature, they're referred uh, if they have numbers by them, right? So 103, 107, uh, right. that means that citizens uh, came up with them. And so, yeah, any uh, you know voter can come and say, we want to, to do this, um, team up with somebody else that takes those two proponents, and those two proponents have to be active throughout the entire process. So I think that's a, a key too, is they have to go you know to the title board, uh, to legislative uh, council review, uh, et cetera. And so mm-hmm. it is really something you just need to find somebody else that agrees with you to start that process. And then, right. you know, there's a lot of materials online, uh, Secretary of State site, Legislative Council site, walking you through this process, which we'll talk about. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, any citizen can do it. I think a lot of people don't even aren't even aware that, hey, I could pass a law myself if I have an idea, if I have somebody else who wants to sign on with me. And then obviously you have to get the signatures and everything else we'll talk right. about. But um, yeah, it, it's really it could be anybody can do this as long as they follow through that process. Well, yeah, that's very interesting. I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because now that I think about it, I don't even think I realize that the whether it's a letters or numbers actually determines or indicates where it came from. So, for example, Proposition HH that was passed through the legislature in 2023, which is why it is HH and not like 103 or 107 or, or other ones we've seen um, pretty recently. So that, that's a great piece of information that I didn't even realize. So the the process for initiating one, you kind of talked on this. Um, you mentioned the title board. Can you kind of explain that? Yeah. So the first step is that you take your statutory language that you want to change, right? You mm-hmm. uh, might work with a lawyer. You can do it yourself. Look up where in the law you want to make this change to, you know, taxes or to criminal policy. You, you go find it in the statute, change those places, submit it uh, online to mm-hmm. uh, legislative council. Legislative council has a mandatory meeting called review and comment. And basically you go there and you talk to people who draft this stuff for the legislature, right? So they ask mm-hmm. you questions. What's, you know, the single subject of this, which we'll talk about when it gets to title board. Um, yeah. What are you trying to accomplish? Does this, you know, if this happens, have you thought about that? So they walk you through this whole memo uh, that says, you know, here's some feedback to think about before you put it into title board, uh, which is the next step. And so a lot of times it's a very good process because, you know, I, I didn't think of that. Or how does this interact with some other law that we didn't realize? All these right. questions are out. There can be a six, eight page memo and you go through and, and publicly talk about your intentions, why you're doing it, what you're trying to do, uh, which then is online. People can listen to it, et cetera, especially if there's mm-hmm. a question later on and how it would work. Um, sometimes the courts will look at that intention. Obviously, you know, it is what the law says. But on the other hand, those conversations are useful uh, for drafters and uh, for, you know, people that are trying to implement this. And so uh, you go through that process, you make those adjustments and changes, amend it if you need to, then you put it into title board and title Mm -hmm. board meets every other week. uh, And they basically have two jobs. One job is to determine if there's a single subject to your measure. So Mm -hmm. uh, both legislation from the legislature and citizens initiatives have to have one subject um, you know, my, my view on it is the legislature sometimes, it seems to me has more than one subject in things, but that's up to the mm-hmm. courts. 
uh, eventually. But the title board will look and say, you know, is this trying to tie two things that are unrelated together? Um, and you're not allowed to do that. So there's, right. you know, uh, a way to appeal if you disagree with them, uh, which we can talk about too. But uh, basically, single subject is the first determination. If it doesn't pass single subject, it doesn't make it through title board. The second thing is one single subject is set that they set title. So this title is what you see on the ballot. So right. these is, this is the language that you see. They try to describe it. Uh, they say in a simple ma- uh, manner, uh, I think sometimes they get very complex and long and it's hard to understand, but their job is to try to give the, the main tenets of the, the ballot measure uh, mm-hmm. in you know, this, this language that you're going to see on the ballot. And again, there's arguments back and forth. People can go and talk and give their opinion. This is three people that are on the title board. So the title board is made up of a representative from the Secretary of State's office, a representative mm-hmm. from the Attorney General's office, and then somebody uh, from the Office of Legislative Legal Services. And so those three, you need two votes in order to pass single subject, in order to pass title. Uh, and a lot of times there's a robust discussion during that process. And, you know, people from the public can weigh in, uh, proponents, opponents can, can weigh in at that point. Once title is set, you have uh, an opportunity, uh, either side can challenge the outcome of that. They didn't like how the title came out. They disagreed mm-hmm. on single subject. They can challenge that. And that happens the two, two weeks later, the next meeting. Okay. Uh, and then the last thing you can do is go to the Supreme Court. Uh, there's kind of a straight shot to the Supreme Court to try to appeal any of these uh, outcomes. And so it's kind of a, a three-step, possible three-step process. But again, if you set title and get single subject the first day, nobody challenges it. That's the, the title that will be set uh, for the ballot. Awesome. So this does sound like it might be kind of a long process. And, and that's kind of what we'll get into right now, which is, you know, you, you reach out to the legislative council, they give you the feedback, you make your adjustments, do whatever you need to do, uh, get, you know, dot your I's and cross your T's. You bring it to the title board. After that, the title board, let's say they, I think you had mentioned that you can come back two weeks later Correct me if I'm wrong. If if there are adjustments you didn't make to it, is that correct? You said two. Weeks. If there, are, if you're challenging, like either mm-hmm. if you think it passed single subject and they say it didn't, or vice versa, right. either side, like anybody can challenge these, and so okay. they can come back. It's called a rehearing, right. uh, and it's basically saying, can you relook at some issues that you might not have seen, or we want to make this other argument, or we don't right. think that the language is clear. They can change their mind if they want. Often they don't, and they say, no, we were right the first time. But you have this rehearing two weeks later. And then it can go to the Supreme Court, which could take okay. months. Um, okay. you, you, you know, that process could take anywhere from a month to five months we've seen. Right. So, yeah, very long process, uh, especially because that legislative, uh, the, the review and comment happens two weeks before that. So you're talking you know, yeah. a minimum of a month. It can be right. several months. So you start early on these things. So realistically, I mean, you're starting this process months out, like getting the idea, drafting it, talking with legislative council and all that you're, you're talking months in advance. So if you want to see it, let's say you want to see it in November of 2025 on the ballot, when about are you starting it? The actual, like from step one, starting the process. Yeah. Normally beginning of the year. I mean, we're still putting okay. some measures through right now, but mm-hmm. April is the last time that you can put measures through title board. And part of that is because of the signature gathering phase and how many months that takes. And then when the ballot has to be locked and loaded for, uh, you know, printing and everything else, 
So basically, uh, it is a, a long process, but I would tell anybody, mm-hmm. if you want something on the November ballot, you should be starting in January. Sometimes right. we start, we've had measures that we started the year before uh, for yeah. that next year. And I think right. the key is that, you know, there's certain measures you can put on in odd years or even years. Mm-hmm. And um, most of the ballot measures you're going to see are in even years. Odd years, it has to have a Tabor hook, what they call. So it's raising okay. revenue. It's keeping revenue. Uh, so tax increases, you know, things like Proposition HH or CC, where they're talking right. about spending Tabor refunds. Those are odd year ones. Um, okay. So knowing that you have to have them on the even year, you know, you can start them the year before even. Uh, right. And oftentimes, if you're going to get signature gathering, uh, you know, it's cheaper if you're paying for signatures to get it done earlier because everybody's mm-hmm. doing it kind of near the end. Right. So I would tell people if they want to get this done, you know, you should know a year out what you're trying to do. It's going to be a long process uh, and you're going to get feedback and sometimes you get kicked out and have to restart, et cetera. So you got to right. leave enough time. There are times when people run out of time and, and they're in April and they can't get something through. Uh, and now you got to wait two years often in order to get it yeah. back on the ballot. And you're, if that's the case, then you're, you're probably starting back from square one, right? Because right. Yeah, you're going to have to resubmit it. You're going to have to go through the title board again. If you've gathered signatures, but let's say you didn't get enough in, in the proper time, you're probably going to have to start back from square one on gathering signatures. Is that correct? That's correct. Yeah. So it, yeah. It, once that cycle's done, you got to start the whole thing all the way over again, back right. to review and comment, to title board, yeah. to getting uh, to getting signatures. So I think that's a key too. Is once you know you you start getting those signatures, um, that you want to get it done. You don't want right. to fail. Uh, and so you really have to plan this out. It is you know citizens can do this, but it takes planning and it takes understanding the process well. It takes research, talking to people who have done it before. Uh, because it's definitely kind of its own niche area uh, right. of of law. So when you get approved by the title board and they're like, yep, everything's good, squared away, is signature gathering, is that the only uh, method or process on how you actually get it eventually on the November ballot? Yeah, so you need to get a, hun- a little under 125,000 valid signatures and so okay. knowing that when you go and get signatures, you know, validity rates, how many people uh, are where, you know, it's the right address down, are registered voters here, et cetera, um, you know, can be anywhere from 60 to 85 percent. You need to get above that number. And so we often come in and say, we're going to go uh, get 200,000 signatures for the 125 right. that we need. And so you have a six month period in order to get that. Okay. But the other side of that is that you have to be done uh, by the first week of August. So you could right. start and only have three months left, but right. you have to get it in by, by August. So that's where I would also encourage people start early enough where you get that full six month window. Right. Um, you know, so if you start in January, get it through by March, now you have six months in order to get it in. A lot right. of our measures, because we, you know, often uh, pay for signatures uh, that we, you know, pay for people to go get signatures that we can get it in three months or so. And so we know that uh, we can mm. you know, hit an April deadline and still get it on the ballot. Um, yeah. But, you know, especially if your citizens trying to get most of these without having paid signature gatherers, uh, you're going to need that full six months because it's a lot of signatures. For sure. And the other thing with signatures is if it's a statutory measure, you can get signatures from anywhere. Right. So you could be in mm-hmm. Colorado Springs. You can be in Denver. You could be in Weld County getting all these signatures. If it's a constitutional measure, you need a certain percentage from each state Senate district. So that's 35 oh, wow. districts across the state. And yeah. if you fall short in one district, you get kicked right. off. So very important wow. that you 
you know, have broad support across, especially if you're doing a constitutional measure. Um, but also you can you can fail by just not having enough in one Senate district. So uh, that makes it a lot more complex to do constitutional measures, more expensive if you're paying for signature gathering. Um, mm-hmm. But ultimately, you know, that's the only thing. Constitutional measures are really the only thing that the legislature can't touch without going back to the people. Right. right. So we do have Tabor in our state, which says if you lower taxes, you can't increase them without voter right. approval. So there are some statutory measures that the legislature can't touch. But in general, they could change anything that we pass as citizens unless it's a constitutional measure. So that's why a lot mm-hmm. of people go the constitutional route, too. That makes sense. And I, I didn't realize that that it, it's broken down by Senate districts, which from a from the point of like someone pushing the ballot initiative, it's going to be very you're going to have to be very targeted to try to target all those Senate districts and make sure you're, you're hitting your right percentages. Now for, for people who are actually signing. So a lot of times you see these people and actually I've seen some down here in El Paso County for some initiatives you have, uh, they're standing outside like the DMV or somewhere like that. And you come walking up and they're like, Hey, do you want to cut your income tax? You're like, yeah, of course, you know, and they, they collect it that way. What are the requirements for, the people signing the petitions. Uh, and for example, for the listeners, uh, if you're, let's say you're a Democrat running or you're petitioning onto the ballot, the the primary ballot, you have to be a registered Democrat in that district, whatever they're running for, whether it's a congressional district, whether it's a state house district, state Senate, you have to live in their district and you have to be a registered person of their party. What's the requirement for uh, a statewide yeah, so there's not a requirement that you have to be, uh, you know, registered for a, politi- a political party, right. uh, even that you have to be uh, a, uh, a resident of, of Colorado. Um, you do have verification on, you know, uh, that you're 18 and older, that you have a, a driver's okay. license. Um, but it's more on the notary side that there's these regulations. So mm. um, that, you know, these petitions have to be notarized on the date that that people signed them. And so the verification is a lot heavier on who can sign, right? Like, do you live in this district? You have to prove that you are, are able to do it. Um, right. You know, a lot of these, you have these signature gathering companies that verify and vet people uh, to make sure uh, that you're going to get valid signatures because, uh, you know, again, if you fall short on that, your validity rate is too low. They're going right. to end up losing uh, the ballot measure. And so basically, you know, the, the lot of the verification is on who is signing. Is it that person? Do they mm-hmm. live where they said they did? Are they registered to vote in Colorado? Uh, right. And so, you know, a lot of these rules and laws have changed over time on the specifics of it. And, and a lot of it's been brought to court. You know, if somebody miss, uh, mm-hmm. you know, writes their address, you know, wrong or has the city wrong, you know, how many uh, problems can you have? And a lot of times what happens is there's this cure period, right, where mm-hmm. you can say, hey, you know, something was wrong with this. Can you go back? Um, but again, you need the time in order to do that. And right. so if you're up against that August 7th deadline, you turn everything in and there's no time for a cure period, you're not getting on. So right. uh, I think, the, you know, the key with signature gathering uh, is that notary part really mm-hmm. showing that, hey, these were really signed by these people. Uh, and you've seen not only in, in candidates, but also in ballot measures where stuff has gotten kicked off because the process hasn't been right. So, yeah, yeah. you are going to see and you often see outside of, uh, you know, grocery store or other places uh, mm. People doing it. They also tend to identify themselves, you know, by their company that they're working for, who they're doing. Right. There's also a lot of disclosure on the actual petition. So the petition mm. 
has to be approved by the Secretary of State. Uh, mm-hmm. And that has to have certain language on saying what the petition says and what it does. Um, right. You know, there's certain a template that, that we often use from the Secretary of State because, uh, you know, there are laws around uh, what it has to say when people are signing. And so you can't right. make it up and say it's something it isn't, et cetera. Right, right. So, uh, yeah, that interaction happens with the Secretary of State before you start. They approve your official petition. Then mm-hmm. these gatherers can go and get the signatures where they need to. Yeah, I mean, it, it makes sense that they would need to approve it because, you know, you may be trying to pass a or, or get a, a ballot initiative for one thing, and and you may be able to entice them by uh, putting more favorable language uh, and and oversimplifying it, or maybe just kind of misleading people. So it would make sense that the Secretary of State needs to approve basically what you're trying to get people to sign for. Um, that makes sense. It has both yeah. the, the language of mm-hmm. the statute that's actually changing and the ballot language. So you can see right. both of what it means. Um, and then, the, you know, signature gatherer can tell them, hey, this would do this or that. They have their talking points. They have right. the reasons to sign it. But officially on the document, uh, you know, it's, it's pretty much a standard form that people use uh, right. that's approved by the secretary of state in order to make sure that everybody has the information that they need to in order to sign. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay, Michael, we're uh, kind of coming up on the the end here. So I wanted to give you a chance. You uh, advanced Colorado, as I mentioned, that you were the president of it. You guys have some uh, ballot initiatives coming up now. Uh, you know, as a nonpartisan uh, group, engage. We're not advocating for or against necessarily what your ballot initiatives are, but we want to give you a chance. Just real world, these are some some things that are coming up, and and let's give you a chance to explain those. Yeah. So I think the key and I, and I think it's a good process, right? Like I'm not going to always agree with what is passed at the ballot, what people are going to put on. But if you're able to go get one hundred and twenty five thousand valid signatures and then get the people to support your measure, uh, I think mm-hmm. that has a lot of weight. You know, and, and a lot of times I think the legislature is trying to do the best they can. They have their own views, et cetera. But it is not easy to get one of these things passed. And so, right. you know, even if I disagree with it, I'm going to respect what the voters think. Uh, and, you know, maybe try to change something in the future if I think they did something wrong and say, well, what about this idea? This didn't work out the way you want it to. And so a couple of the measures that we're working on right now have to do with property taxes. Uh, As you know, we've had a big spike in property taxes in Colorado and think that the legislature hasn't really stepped up to to fix it. And so uh, we have two measures that would cap and cut property taxes. You know, again, we're this is one idea we're putting out there and, you know, hope the voters uh, agree with us. But, mm. uh, you know, this is just another option. If there's a big problem and everybody's worried about it and the legislature doesn't do something, why don't we propose something? We also have two crime related measures. Uh, one's called truth and sentencing, uh, which would mm. have violent criminals stay in in prison uh, longer when they get out at 43 percent of their sentence on average right now. Mm. Um, and this is yeah, only violent criminals, class two felons. Uh, we have one measure that would give more money to law enforcement across the state. And so, again, mm-hmm. this is where the people can tell the legislature, this is how you should be spending your money. Uh, we're worried about safety right now. And so we want to put this money into the hands of, uh, you know, local sheriffs and, and uh, police chiefs, et cetera. Um, and then we have another measure that would put school choice in the Colorado Constitution. Mm-hmm. And all of our school choice measures uh, right now are statutory. Right. So legislature could change those at any point, as we mentioned. Right. So if you put it in the Constitution, you know, it makes sure that the legislature doesn't have as much of a say over that. And so, mm. uh, you know, the fact that we have a lot of school choice in our state, uh, charter schools, open enrollment, you know, private, public, uh, homeschooling, all these different options, 
you know, our worry is that that could change in the future. And so, again, putting it up to voters to say, do you like those things? Do you want this to be in the Constitution instead of just in statute? So these are the kinds of ideas, even things that we have right now, citizens could go and take and say, we want to make it more firm that the legislature can't mess with this, for example. Or we're worried about safety and we think this is the solution. And so what we do is we'll pull our measures, you know, see what the language is going to be. Do people support it or not? And is it likely the legislature passes this stuff? And if it's not and there's support there and and people want it, that's when we look and say, can we move this forward uh, around the issues that we that we engage in? So uh, it is a long process, a hard process, an expensive process a lot of times. But we feel like it's a good thing for Colorado as a check on the legislature that they can pass laws uh, and constitutional measures. And really, you know, we should be about consent and in, in, of the governed, right? Like this is the, right. the basic idea of our country is that we need to agree. And this gives us one outlet, right? We, you might have 10 measures on the ballot and that's a lot, but they're trying to, you know, they're trying to pass 500 bills at the legislature, right? right. I, I think everybody agrees that we should have representatives doing a lot of this work, but it also gives us that outlet if there's enough support that we can do our own stuff and pass our own measures. Absolutely. So when should we expect to see, because you listed about four or five different ones, are they all going to be on this November's ballot? That's that's the plan. We have that's one that's already through the process. Uh, we have a yeah. constitutional measure that we got done in 57 days. One of the, It was the fastest measure for constitutional one ever. Uh, uh-huh. But we'll have a whole other group. And a lot of times if you're doing multiple measures, uh, you have them go together because people mm. can stand and sign, you know, two or three of them at the same time. So right. I think over the next few months here, we'll be uh, having these out, getting signature gathering. I'm hoping we can get all of them on, but you know, it might be two or three of them instead. And you, you wait two more years and go back to work at it. So right. very complex part, but again, I, I would encourage people look into this process, see if you have a really good idea and the legislature is mm-hmm. not listening. Can you build that support? Can you get donors and people willing to get signatures? And are, you know, can you build this campaign to pass something that you think is important for Colorado? Where can people find what kind of ballot initiatives are being worked on? Is that just the Secretary of State's website? Yeah, so the Secretary of State has everything that goes through title board. There's also mm-hmm. a legislative council. You know, if you, uh, you know, type in and search for the ballot initiatives in Colorado legislative council, it'll show you mm-hmm. that first step. Um, and in anything that goes through title board, there's a title board website. It'll show you the, where it is in the process. So I would look, and it's really interesting to see what other people are thinking about, how far along in the process did they get kicked mm-hmm. out of title board, et cetera. We watch that website pretty closely just to understand what could be coming uh, this November or in the future. Yeah. And so I, I asked you that question for the listeners. I, I knew the answer. Uh, one time I was walking into the DMV and I knew I was going to be there for a while. And there were some signature gatherers standing outside and they had asked me if I wanted to sign. And I said, uh, I said, I think I know what this one is, but let me go look it up. And it up. <laughs> uh, I, I went inside the DMV. I was waiting there not too long, but uh, while I was sitting there, I, I looked it up on my phone, said, yep, this is the ballot initiative that I thought it was. And then when I walked back outside, I, I went ahead and, and uh, had signed it. Um, so, yeah, that's that's good for people to know that they can look it up. And um, is there a way if someone wants to sign for a certain ballot initiative that maybe say it's one of the ones that Advance is doing, it, you know, instead of just getting lucky and running into someone standing outside a DMV or a King Supers or wherever else, is there a way that they can sign um, that? 
Yeah, so that's kind of up to the organization and people that are mm-hmm. doing it. I think the nice thing is on that website, it'll say who the, the proponents are and normally, right. you know, give their phone number or they might allow their email on there, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And therefore, you can reach out directly. You're like, hey, I really like this issue. I was looking it up. Where are you mm-hmm. going to have signature gathers and when? Uh, you know, for our types of things, once we yeah. know where we're going to be and have events and have, you know, hey, check out, you know, this uh, grocery store has signature gatherers out there. So you kind of have to, you know, look it up and, and hopefully they're getting out there and, and reaching right. people. Um, but ultimately the organizations do it, but you can also reach out if there's contact information for those people on uh, the Secretary of State website, you can normally get information that way. Awesome. Well, I think we've pretty much covered everything and I really appreciate it, Michael. And if, if you want to learn more uh, about this issue, um, you know, please go to the Secretary of State's website, go to these organizations. You know, if you go on the Secretary of State's website and you see some different ballot initiatives, it'll tell you who is leading the charge on this. So, uh, you know, reach out to them like you were talking about and uh, do more research. So we really appreciate your time here, Michael. And uh, we'll leave it off here and maybe we'll uh, check up with you here after the November election and and see where these things uh, ended up being at. And seeing how they cool. turned out. Thanks for having me on, and I'm glad cool. people are learning more about this issue. Absolutely. All right. Until next time, thank you. Thank you for listening to the Engage the Rockies podcast, your go to podcast for local and state issues concerning Colorado. 